Sebi with Clock Points Podcast. It is a uh, fr- uh, Thursday night. I'm doing this. It's going to be an odd podcast because I'm solo. Uh, I usually normally record this on Sunday uh, mornings with a co-host, but for some reason I couldn't. Well, I could have found somebody. I, I sent an email to Chris and he never responded, so I let him off the hook. I didn't push it, but uh, I decided to try it solo, see how it goes. I'm not egotistical enough to think that uh, that I can carry this podcast by myself because I know I get tired of hearing me talk. But this once in a while, I guess we'll 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 see how it turns out. Um, I hope everybody's well and and productive. My classes have started, so uh, it, it's really great. Uh, those of those of you who know uh, any of my classes or my students, it's basically a workshop uh, on the Tuesday. Uh, class and we we're getting a lot of writing. We're getting between ten and fifteen people a week writing, and it's a lot of material to cover. Um, so, you know, congratulations to my students for for hanging in there and doing the work. Uh, it, it's really been very dynamic. Um, and a couple things came up on Tuesday that I that I want to talk about, and I'll get to them toward the end of the or, or later in the podcast. Um, you can reach us at plotpoints.com. We're on iTunes. Uh, you can also call 919 Scripts, uh, iTunes being Apple Podcast. You can also, uh, dial 919 Scripts and, uh, find us. Uh, there's an answering machine or it's a Google Voice number and you can leave messages or yell at, uh, yell at me. Don't yell at my co-host. They're, it's not their fault. It's my fault. Um, so lately I've been watching some really interesting, um, you, you know, I, let me just say this about, uh, television. The, this has to be a golden age, not only because there's just some great television being done here in America, but because we're being exposed to so many other countries material. I'm watching Australian, New Zealand, uh, television, Canadian, uh, Swedish, Danish, um, Norwegian, uh, German. Um, not so much Italian or French, uh, but I have watched a couple episodes of a uh, series, uh, from those countries, but it's what an amazing time to, to be a television watcher. The streaming opportunities are, are, are incredible. I, um, so I don't know if you have faced this. I have, I, you know, started to watch a bunch of series. And of course I, I don't, I don't like binging, uh, the whole series. I, I, I've, I feel that's overboard. It doesn't give me a time to to think it through. So, so I'll watch a couple episodes and then switch to another series and then come back. Well, so Netflix and Amazon Prime, which are my two primaries, were not really keeping track of my programming uh, properly, and so I would get lost. Like I'd watch an episode of something and then I wouldn't watch it for a couple of weeks, and I'd come back and I'd wonder, did I leave off on that episode or? So what I did is I started, I have this uh, app on my phone that does notes, um, and I keep my phone with me pretty much all day. So I started to keep track of the series that I'm watching, the the season and the episode on in, in these individual notes. So I counted them up before the podcast. I have 62 shows that I'm watching. You know, I just, I know when those episodes, the last ones I watch, and they're pretty easy to track, and a couple other uh, series, but 62. I I don't think I've watched that kind of uh, well never it's it's just never so anyway uh I'm currently watching something a really odd little Swedish uh TV show called Rebecca Martinson and what makes it odd is this the hardest thing to do in script writing is to focus your main character 
if that main character is not naturally whatever you're writing about, let's say you're writing about, uh, you're writing a doctor show or a hospital show. If that character isn't a doctor or a nurse or an emergency room physician or a EMT or something, it's really hard to write a medical show about a character who's not a medical person. Uh, con- same thing with, um, with uh, detectives or cop shows or lawyers. Uh, typically, when you see those shows, those characters are that profession. Well, Rebecca Martinson is about a woman who is a um, uh, a, a rising star in a uh, uh, Stockholm law firm. She goes home to bury uh, a woman uh, that that helped raise her. And gets involved in the mystery, in a, in a mystery. And then she stays there. So she goes from Stockholm to this, this city that's the northmost city in, in Sweden, um, where it's in the Arctic Circle, the average temperature is like 56 degrees. And she goes there and then she stays there. So I'm only on episode four. And so far it's been really interesting to watch the writers focus this character on the crime the crimes that are committed in this community because it's not one of one of what you, what you call long form narrative it doesn't go from episode 1 to episode 10 with one crime in the first two episodes there's a crime in the second two episodes there's a crime i i'm just i'm just completely amazed and and uh curious as to how this is going to resolve itself so i'll let you know but it's on uh, acorn tv which is a british uh, company but gosh do i love this i mean i'm watching Canadian. I'm watching. There's some great Australian and New Zealand television. Wow, what a time! To, what a time to uh, to be alive, I guess. Uh. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what I've been working on, which isn't all that interesting. I finished uh, most of what I needed to do for my pilot. I rewrote the Bible. Uh, it's currently being looked at at two large uh, companies, and uh, so that's hopefully something good will come of it. But um, you know that the business is the business, and you don't always get the result that you want, no matter how hard you work or how good the material is. Uh, this is one of the frustrations of being a writer, especially a screenwriter. Is uh, I've always said this: is you can do everything 100% right and still fail. But um, I have high hopes for this uh, this pilot. It's uh, getting good good reviews so far. It's climbed the ladder uh, very effectively, and you know maybe maybe the, maybe a miracle will happen, and I'll sell it. Uh, if not, I'll I'll just keep writing until uh, the next project. Whoever wants to pay me for it, whether that's a feature, a TV series, or articles, I like to write articles. I do a lot of articles for um, for like Creative Screenwriting Magazine. And um, I'm going to start working on some stuff for Final Draft, which is pretty exciting. But um, besides that, I've I made this pact with myself to finish my book in July. And of course, life went sideways on me, uh, which is a good thing because I made some money. But um, the book kind of had to go go into the later on pile. And I started back into it uh, this week and realized that. The last time I had worked on this book, besides doing a proposal, which is, well, what a, what a maniacal, uh, thing that is, those proposals. Holy crap. I, I have a lot of respect for people who write great proposals, by the way. Um, anyway, so I decided not to write the proposal, not to try to sell it to a publisher. I'm going to self-publish it. 
Um, but anyway, I went back to it and the last time I touched it was 2015. <laughs> so, um, need, needless to say, some of the movies in there are a little bit dated. So I had to find, um, a substitute for my, the main movie that I had chosen to illuminate was Star Trek Into Darkness. And at the time, that was a pretty hot movie. But, um, now, you know, it's five years later, uh, or whatever. I don't even know when, when that movie was made in 2013, 2014. It was a little bit old when I started the book. But so anyway, I had to, um, stra- uh, scramble around and try to find a film that made as much sense to my book as Star Trek Into Darkness did. And, uh, and I, so I've chosen a couple that I am going to work through and, and see how it goes. But um, I'm really anxious to get this book done because I've been promising and promising myself that I'm going to get it done for years. And as you can you can understand, 2015 was the last time I worked on it. How? Where the hell did that time go? Anyway, uh, this is Plot Points Podcast. I'm by myself. I'm flying solo today. My name is Mark Sevy. Usually I have a co-host uh, or two. And, uh, I would love to have them, uh, to, uh, to talk to, but, uh, it's, it's not to be on this podcast. Um, I did do a profile of, uh, Doug Kenny and, um, I want to do that for you. Uh, I have, a uh, some, some tips to some screenwriting tips. So let's see if I can get this all done in about 10 minutes. In case you don't know who Doug Kenny is, um, there's a really fantastic movie called A Futile and Stupid Gesture on Netflix. I know I've talked about it before. Uh, it, it is, it details, uh, Doug Kenny and, um, um, uh, his partner, uh, uh, Robert Hoff, no, uh, uh, Henry Beard and Robert Hoffman, but Henry Beard primarily. Um, and I'll talk, I'll, I'll, I'll do the profile. Again, I read these things because I'm so much more artic- articulate as a writer than I am as a, a speaker. But, uh, you'll, you'll see, you'll understand why I was, uh, so thrilled to, uh, to do this guy. He's really, really was amazing. And it was the, uh, anniversary just recently of Groundhog Day. So he was instrumental in writing, uh, that and producing it. So, and of course, that's not Groundhog Day. That would have been Caddyshack. Corrections and Retraction. Doug Kenny was a gifted and prolific comedy writer. His movies Animal House and Caddyshack and magazine National Lampoon launched and inspired many movies, TV shows, and other media. Born in West Palm Beach, Florida in 1946, Kenny eventually settled in Chagrin Falls, Ohio with his family and had a rather uneventful childhood. Certainly nothing at the time would hit at the massive talent he would become. The biopic movie, available on Netflix, as I mentioned, A Futile and Stupid Gesture, points at only one odd event in his background where he is attending the funeral of his brother, who he had felt his parents thought was the wrong child to die. Pretty harsh. And he sees a group of cheerleaders on the lawn. The movie itself doesn't make this event's meaning clear, although it does tie into some cheerleading material later, so it must have had some relevance that escaped me. Kenny attended Harvard and was editor of the Harvard Lampoon. He also met his comedy partner, Henry Beard, there, and they published the book, Board of the Rings, which became a bestseller. After leaving Harvard, Beard, Robert Hoffman, and Kenny started a revolutionary comedy magazine called National Lampoon, which treated nothing as off-limits. A frequent target of the magazine at the time was then-President Richard Nixon and his administration. This put the editors firmly on Nixon's, Nixon's infamous enemies list, not that any of them cared. 
National Lampoon recognized no boundaries. Covers that be depicted a dog with a gun to its head and threatened by this magazine or will kill this dog. Blatant and frequent nudity. An ongoing segment called Mrs. Agnew's Diary, which dealt with her life among the Nixon administration. All contributed to National Lampoon's success, especially among the younger generation of the time. Even given his brilliance, Kenny could be frustrating and challenging to work with. He was probably undiagnosed bipolar or similar, or perhaps the massive amounts of drugs and alcohol he ingested created emotional and mental problems that he never got over. A clown at heart, Kenny had serious issues with his journey through this life, which bled, which bled into his brilliant writing. And as long as he could express himself through this comedy, it seemed, he could cope with the internal pain. Animal House made Kenny a star and then a legend. It was one of the gro- it was up to that point the, the highest grossing comedy movie ever. Some of his follow up material wasn't as commercially successful. Caddyshack has become a classic in comedy, but it was not initially well received and featured a press conference in which Kenny had a raging breakdown. This became a, be, I'm sorry, this began a depressive spiral that Kenny would attempt to solve with massive amounts of drugs and booze. On a vacation to Hawaii initiated by Kenny's close friend, comedian Chevy Chase, to dry out, Kenny fell off a 35-foot cliff to his death. It's not clear whether he slipped or jumped, and the movie on his life leaves it ambiguous. Chris Miller, a friend who was a National Lampoon writer and collaborator on Animal House, said, Doug was looking for a better place to jump from while he slipped. There is no doubt that Douglas Clark Francis Kenny who died too much, much too young, had an outsized impact on the world of comedy, being one of the leaders of an irreverent new generation of writers who took to task both power and societal trends that seemed too ridiculous to keep silent about. The movie makes it pretty clear that, um, that, that National Lampoon was a stepping stone into Saturday Night Live. So if you, if you get a chance to see the movie, uh, I, I really recommend it. It breaks every rule you've ever you've ever heard about screenwriting uh but it it is a marvel it really is um perhaps caddyshack and animal house have faded somewhat in relevance as all does as does all material of the time but the impact of the boy from chagrin falls will live forever as shows like saturday night live and the online magazine the onion continued to challenge the ridiculousness of our future and futile and stupid lives i've screwed that up Anyway, um, again, avail yourself of that film on Netflix. So at this point, I had intended to do um, a Q&A, which um, some questions came up in, in class on Tuesday, uh, one of them being about flashbacks, dream sequences, um, and fantasy sequences and voiceover. So I'm going to do a longer um uh, a longer dissertation on that, on all those. But, but basically what I, what I told the student who was throwing in a bunch of, uh, flashbacks and, uh, and things like that was that in my opinion, they have a place. There's no doubt that flashback is a legitimate storytelling, uh, technique. The problem is if you overuse it, it becomes a crutch. And also, same with dream sequences and uh, voiceover and all those things that people fall in love with uh, as writers. So my advice would be just to minimize the the use of them. Uh, and when possible, don't write them. I, even montages, which are used to compress time, 
are, are really a technique that you shouldn't really avail yourself of unless you absolutely need to compress time. And there are legitimate reasons to use montages, but not just to show scenes. It, it, it has to be purposeful. So uh, again, I'll do a, a longer version of this at some future date. But um, if you have any questions or comments, uh, please dial in 919 scripts and, and ask the question or go to plotpoints.com or uh, Apple iTunes. You can avail yourself of this podcast and uh, some earlier ones. I have some really terrific uh, guests on some earlier ones. I'm going to get back to all that. It just takes a, a lot uh, to get people lined up. Um, certainly today's world, it's easier than it was. But um, anyway, so check us out. Uh, my name is Mark Sevy. I, uh, uh, for myself and my co-hosts who are not with me today and uh, the uh, men and women of Orange County Screenwriters Associations, be safe. Be Also, be inspired and do good work. Okay. Thank you.